0: But I'm going to, you know, sort of uh, make my own commercial today. Um, uh, I told you, uh, to, to, last Sunday, today, and next Sunday, the first three weeks are all dealing with the Bible, and I think are foundational to the rest of the series. And, and I think, to me, one of the biggest problems in the church uh, today is a lack of understanding of the Bible, and, and, a, and a really lack of understanding of how the Bible works in our lives. And I, I want, here, let me just t- tell you what we're going to talk about next week. That's next week's question. In the Old Testament, God seems so angry all the time. He's always killing people and doing terrible things. In the New Testament, Jesus is so loving and full of grace and forgiveness. How can they be the same God? I think one of the biggest stumbling blocks to people entering into relationship with God is that. That they read the Old Testament and they go, what the heck is going on here and so um, i'm going to tackle that next week Uh, i believe it'll be freeing encouraging and enlightening and i'm going to say i'm going to go on a limb and i'm going to say i'm going to share some stuff next week in terms of biblical interpretation that you probably have never considered before so um, i just encourage you if you can make it be here bring your friends Uh, i could go down in flames I'm willing to take that risk. I'll just say that right now. Uh, but I've been—I have been pondering this stuff for a while. But this question in specific for several months, and doing a lot of reading and a lot of research. And, and I, I really feel like it'll be—it'll be pretty good. So I encourage you to be here for that. So last week, just quick review: we talked about how we know the Bible is true, and we talked about kind of you know circular reasoning because the Bible says so. So really quickly. I gave you five reasons, uh, you know, kind of a, a process to go through to know the Bible's true. start with the Gospels, they're first-century historical documents, they're foundational documents for the most influential movement and person in history. As you read them, very often you, you realize that Jesus is a unique guy. You begin to trust him. Uh, you you value and believe in his teaching. You you see in him marks of the miraculous. You know that he really uh, looks like God, smells like God. Acts like God must be God, right? Uh, we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then the last three steps, Jesus validates the Hebrew Bible's divine origin. That's a very important little clue. There's a clue for next week. That's a very important key to Old Testament. Jesus promises God's spirit will inspire his disciples. And the early church validates apostolic teaching. So that was last week. Uh, today, the Bible says some pretty crazy stuff. How do I know how to interpret it? What's literal? and what's not. Um, I think equally foundational, again, in, interpretation of Scripture to me is so, so important. Uh, it, it, it really is hard to understand, okay? I'm gonna, that's, that's true. Let's just say that. It's hard to understand. It's hard to follow. I think how we interpret bo- the Bible and how we apply it to our lives is monumental in terms of our success in walking out this this journey that Shane talked about this morning with Christ, and in our ability to effectively communicate that to other people. Um, poor interpretation can lead you to, into trouble, and it does. We've looked at some examples. It can, it can lead you into, of course, faulty beliefs, but what it also leads into that is the thing that breaks my heart so much is some really hurtful sorts of behaviors People do hurtful things in the name of God because they have misinterpreted Scripture, and I don't like that. Uh, So I'm hoping to, you know, to the best of my ability, share with you some things to help you interpret it accurately and and in a healthy way. The argument, let me say the argument to good biblical interpretation is this, and I hear this sometimes, well, you don't really need to interpret the Bible, you just read it. And, okay. On, on one level, that's true. I, you know, I mean, we can, you can read the Bible without... You can, I know people who f- came out of nowhere as far as history, background, teaching, understanding of God, church, anything, read the Bible, and God touched them. So, so you, th- there's some truth in that, but to really grow very far in this, I think we need to have good interpretation. And then my argument back... So I mean, well, you don't need to interpret, just read it. My argument back is this... Everyone interprets the Bible, okay? Let's be honest. Everyone interprets the Bible. We all have history. Everyone has history. Unless you were, I don't know, came here in an alien pod or something. Um, you have history. You, you have an upbringing. You have a family, and you had friends, and you had teachers, and you had coaches, and you had people who talked to you about things. And, and you had education, and you have a worldview that you formed, a way that you look at the world. You have beliefs and opinions, and we all come to the Scripture with those things. We all bring that into the Bible when we read it, and we have a set of presuppositions when we read Scripture. Everyone interprets the Bible, whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, you do. So you can't really say, well, just read it. You all, everyone will interpret it in some way or another. It's my conviction that we should do it well. And the Apostle Paul agrees with me, so Neener Neener. Um, Paul says to Timothy, do your best, not make a, you know, take a, a stab at it, but do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. I, I, I believe that's applicable to all of us, that we should do our best. To really, um, it, let me just say this. It doesn't mean we might never make a mistake. And and, and, and I think we all, most of us know me, know this church, know our spirit and our heart well enough to know that that's okay we make mistakes that's all right but we're going to we're going to make our best effort we're going to really apply ourselves when we have questions this is the beauty of this series i think ask the question when you have questions about scripture about what the bible teaches ask the question uh press in seek god in that so uh with that as a launching point you know i want to uh, t- today is not going to be the most exciting, most inspirational message ever. Let me just say that off the top, okay? It's kind of more teaching today, uh, you know, but l- look, deal with it. Um, I-, I promised you I would, uh, I had a lot of coffee this morning. I'm just, uh, okay. Um, I'm not going to tell you how much because it's, you would, it's bad. I'd be in rehab. Um, mm-hmm. Is there coffee rehab? Is there such a thing as that? We'll start it for me. I told you I'd recommend books every week. I'll keep with that. Today, uh, I want to recommend a book to you. This is uh, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Gordon, Gordon Fee and Doug Stewart. Has anybody read this? Bubba has. Bubba is a good boy. Sarah has a couple of you. Let me say this. This book is, this is, it doesn't look like this anymore. I had the first edition, which somebody brought. Do you have my first edition? No, you bought your own. Okay. <clears throat> That's amazing. Sasquatch can read. I didn't know that. This is the second edition, but this book is now in the fourth edition. Uh, it's sold over half a million copies. Uh, it's about 12 bucks uh, to get it on Amazon, 250 pages. Let me say this. Uh, as a Christian, you, you, you ha- I'm assuming everybody has a Bible. You buy a Bible, you read a Bible. After the Bible... This is the absolute best investment you can make, this book. If you're going to buy one other book, buy this book. I really believe if you will take the time to read this book and read it section by section and read it with your Bible and apply the principles that, that Fee and Stewart lay out, that you will be. I'm so... <coughs> <coughs> I just, I get this throat thing. It's horrible. I hate it. It's my, I told it, but I throat of the flesh. You'll be light years, light years ahead of understanding and applying scripture than you will if you just read it without any interpretive principle. Just this book alone. So, huh? How to read the Bible for all it's worth. I will, somebody has asked me already, and I will do it. I will publish my, my reading list for this in, in fall somewhere, somehow. We'll post it. On our website, if somebody can figure out how to do that. Gordon, Fee, and Doug Stewart. You guys just want to pass it around or something? Hey, I want it back, though. I get so, I get so frustrated. I, my books disappear. But I would encourage you to get that. So let's press in. We all, everybody realizes this, right? We all know that the uh, I'm already time to quit. It's, we're done. Um, man. Go on. Uh, the Bible is not one book, right? We know that. It's a collection of books. There are 66 books in the Bible, over 40 authors, 40-ish. Nobody, We don't know exactly how many. 1,600-year uh, period of time span that it was written over. Uh, it includes all kinds of different literature. Poetry, history, biography, letters, prophetic, apocalyptic, everything's in there. So it's, it's simplistic to think that we could just interpret that all the same, and that would work. We um, different passages of scripture have to be read differently to be understood correctly. So, so um, as Christians, again, most of us, pretty much everybody, there's a few, uh, you know, guys out there, but most people believe the Bible is, or Christians believe the Bible is divinely inspired. That it is the word of God. That it's a gift of God from God to us uh, to, to help us in, in our pursuit of Him. Uh, we also believe that the Bible is infallible, that it's without error. So with those things in mind, then we believe that the Bible has universal relevance. It, it, it was written at a specific time in history by people to other people with a specific, specific purpose in mind. Nobody, let me just clarify, no one, none of the authors that wrote Scripture knew they were writing the Bible. They thought they were writing to someone about a specific situation at hand. But with that understanding, we realize that as Scripture, even though it may have been written thousands of years ago to a tribe of people in the Middle East, it has meaning to my life today. We get that. We believe that. Um, So with that in mind, we also know, though, that it was written... You know, it's the Word of God, but it was written by people. People wrote the Bible. Um, uh, George Ladd is one of my favorite authors, and Ladd says, the Bible is the Word of God given in the words of people in history. So let, let's just uh, go. I'm going to do, I'll do this really fast. I really will. I, I said last week I don't do the five steps thing, but I did last week, and now I'm going to do it again. I'm going to give you five steps um, to, to, to get more out of your Bible, Okay. So, so first of all, first step number one, pick a good translation. And I have an S there, translations, and I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but let me just say the Bible was written in uh, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Most of us are unfamiliar with those languages. If you speak those languages, if you can read and understand those languages, God bless you, you're way ahead of the rest of us. But most of us are dependent on someone somewhere who translated those languages into English. So that we can read them. So let me say this back again to my comment about don't interpret it, just read it. If you read a Bible in English, you're already involved in interpretation. You've, because you're trusting somebody who translated it, okay? There are over 50 translations in English. Um, believe it or not, some are better than others. Okay, There's a few that are just bad. They're, they're, they're not good. Uh, and we don't need to to go into those. You probably don't read one if you're in question. If you have some translation that you're not sure about, uh, ask me. I'll I'll be glad to help you with that. There's a few bad ones. Most of them are okay. Most of the English translations are are, are okay. Some are better than others. How do you know which one to get? John Wimber, some of you have seen his testimony. (coughs) It's hilarious. Uh, John, founder of the Vineyard, grew up as he's a rock and roll musician, and he knew nothing about church, nothing about God, nothing about anything. He gets saved, and the guy tells him, you've got to get a Bible. I say, oh, okay. So he goes to the Bible bookstore, and he says, I need a Bible. And the guy goes, which Bible do you, what, what, what would you like? Which one do you want? He goes, well, a black one. That's the only thing he'd ever seen. He goes, you know, the Holy Bible. And so, you know, they were on different wavelengths. John, had, The guy's trying to get to the translation thing, and John's just a black Holy Bible. That's what I need. How do you know... I would say the most important thing is to find one that you will read, okay? So, if you're reading a translation that's hard to read, that you don't understand, you might want to look around a, a, a little bit. Um, find one that you'll read. Find the one that you're comfortable with. If you have a Bible that you've read for, you know, most of your life that you understand, that you like, I, I would say probably just stick with that. That's, that's probably going to be the best one for you. Um, a couple things to consider in translation is accuracy to the original text and readability. Those are the two things that you want to look at. Some of the more accurate translations are also some of the more difficult to read. So that's a factor in, 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 in choosing one. I, I would say for devotional reading, for your daily reading, uh, you want one translation that you're comfortable with. I read and study from the NIV, Necessary in Vineyard, as uh, it's known. Uh-huh. Partly, here's why, I'll tell you why Partly because it is, it's a good translation But the, the main reason I read NIV is because I've been reading it for 35 years So I'm comfortable with NIV I, I've tried other ones uh, I've, I've, I've switched, I've actually switched a couple times And then after about two months I switch back I, I cannot do this So I read and teach from the NIV It's the top selling Bible in the world It's a good translation um, But it's not the only one Some people like the New Living, the NLT. That's fine. If you like that, read it. Uh, Some people like the New King James. That's, again, fine. If you like that, read it. That's okay. Uh, Ideally, when I say translations here, for study, you're going to want to have two, possibly three different translations that you compare and contrast. And at least one of those, you're going to want one of the more, the, the more literal translations, the word-for-word translations that are harder to read. And those would be, I used, again, the New American Standard Bible because I'm comfortable with it. But the ESV, English Standard, or the RSV are very good as well. Uh, you're going to want a couple of those to, to look at and compare when you're doing studies. So that's it. That. A couple comments quickly. Uh, I've talked about the King James a lot. Um, the King James Bible is very accurate. It's, it's, it's a good translation as far as that goes. It is written in 16th century King James English. You might as well read the Greek. Um, if you speak 16th century King James English, God bless you, carry on, have a great day. If you don't and you're reading that because someone told you it's the only one to read, I would I would think about switching. Uh, it's just it, it, it's archaic. We don't speak that language. It's not the language we speak. It's like reading a different language. Uh, The other thing I want to comment is on the message. A lot of people read the message. They like the message. I like the message. I think it's a little funky sometimes. I'm going to be really honest. I love Eugene Peterson. Great guy. It's a little funky. Um, I think it's fun. I think it's different. I think it's thought-provoking. I have one. I would encourage you, if you want to have a third translation to compare, get one look at it. But I wouldn't make that my primary Bible, okay? I wouldn't make it my primary Bible. So there you go. That's Step one, get a good translation. Get a couple good translations. I think you'll be light years ahead there. Second, don't go it alone. Paul tells Timothy, oh, man. Be a good worker. I think good workers need tools, right? We need tools. So you need some tools to help you. i will go really fast. Uh, You should get a Bible dictionary. There are a number of good ones out there. I use the new Bible dictionary that's published by Tyndale. Uh, Ungers has one. Nelson has one. There's a bunch. Just look. But you should have a Bible dictionary. It's a very, very helpful tool to help you read. Bible handbook also. Uh, Zondervan has a cool one out. It's got a lot of pictures in it. If you like pictures, that's cool. Uh, Erdman's Unger's also has one. Haley's has, Haley's has one key to the NIV, which is good. But those two things just help you understand background. Bible dictionary, if you're reading a letter by Paul... You just look up Paul. You read the article on Paul. It'll help you understand. You're, you're reading, you know, you come across a word or a city or a place or a, 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 a practice. You don't know what that is. You look up and read about it. It gives you background information. It's very helpful. I got, okay, here, time out. I am old school. I read books, okay? I'm going to give you some, on, I'm going to give you the online options to this stuff. I get it, okay? But look, I like books, all right? I like books. Um. Concordance is the only book I have f- forgone in, in favor of an online search engine because so much faster. So, uh, g- Good Concordance, but a good search engine is better. You might want to get a study Bible. That's a secondary tool. Those first three I think you need. Last thing, commentaries. Let me comment on commentaries. Um, sooner or later you're going to get into g- reading Bible commentaries, probably, if you study the Bible at all. I read them every day. But they are biased. Okay? So you have to know the perspective the person you're writing, you're reading is coming from because it's gonna vary. There's a lot of variance. So just know that. That's a whole different topic, but just be careful with commentaries. But they're helpful. Uh, so if you don't like books, BibleGateway.com is awesome. It's a great search engine if you're gonna use, use that. I use that as my concordance, Bible Gateway. Bible study tools. It has some Bible dictionaries on it. It has some other things on it that are very, very helpful. So those two websites are free. Anybody, you don't need to sign up or do anything, just log on and use them. And they're very, very helpful. So I would encourage that. So get a good translation. Don't go it alone. Third, read critically. When I say read critically, I basically mean ask questions of the text. So when you're reading the Bible, you want to know who, what, where, when, and why. Who wrote it? Who's he writing to? Why is he writing to them? Who else is mentioned? What is their relationship? How do these people know each other? Do they know each other? Those, ask those kinds of questions of the text. And again, you can, you can find out a lot of that information by reading, but you might use your dictionary and your Bible handbook to give you further information. What? What was the subject at hand? What are the circumstances? What is the political environment, religious environment, social environment? What's happening around it? Where did this happen? When was it written? Just to know, this was written in 55 A.D., that doesn't help you that much, but a timeline of, of where it was written in the history of God's people is very helpful. So you want to know that, uh, especially with the Old Testament. The Old Testament, the, the books didn't happen in the order they're, they're in there. Okay? So sometimes you're reading something that was written way before when you think it was written because of where it's placed. Um, and, then, and then lastly, why? What's the author's motivation? What does he want his readers to know? So, so really, read critically. Ask questions of the text uh fourth make observations as you're reading what are you finding in there are there promises that i can hold on to uh I, different people have categorized it one guy said there's 7,700 promises in the bible i don't know how many there are but there, there's promises god promises things it's good warnings uh, there I, I would you know when you see a stop sign you stop because if you don't bad things could happen so there's warnings in the bible um Examples for a living, this is funny, I never counted, but I think there are way more bad examples than good examples. But that's okay, you can learn from those, right? What not to do. Commands to keep, prayers to pray, insights about God, insights about people. So make observations as you read. Uh, I'm, way, I'm totally off everything here. Um, finally, make application. This is the most important step. Okay. Can I, I'm just going to say, I want to qualify... Studying the Bible is never an end in itself. Most of you know that I grew up in the 70s when studying the Bible was an end in itself. We were told, that's all you got to do, study the Bible. The more you study the Bible, the more spiritual you are. And eh, not true. Studying the Bible, reading the Bible, memorizing the Bible does not make you more spiritual. Those are all good things to do, but but applying those things to your life makes you more Christ-like. That makes you more spiritual. That makes you more mature in your relationship with God. Living them out. That's the goal, is to live those things out. Um, John Wimber used to say, you know, you don't eat the menu. So, we we read the Bible to help us get to know God and get to know how we can get to know Him better. It's a process. Um, It's in living the Bible that we become more Christ-like. So, that should be the key to everything as you're reading is, what does this mean to me? What do I do with this information now that I have it? It doesn't mean any, you know, you can be the smartest guy in the room, but if, if, if you're a jerk, you know, it doesn't matter, right? Uh, we've got to learn to be nice. We've got to learn to get along, play together, do that kind of thing. Uh, so I did that pretty quick. Last final thoughts. Uh, I, I think, you know, how many of you guys go to the gym? How many of you want to? Yeah, all right. Amen, brother. Uh, It's like going to the gym. I mean, you can make New Year's resolutions. You can think about all you want. But if you don't actually do it, it's not going to help you. I think studying the Bible should be something we put on our calendar that you schedule, you make a time. I know that, you know, you read the Psalms and stuff and you think you've got to be early in the morning. If you're a morning person, good, do that. If you're not a morning person, don't read the Bible in the morning, okay? Because you won't remember a thing. Um, Read it when it works for you, but schedule a time Make it a habit. You should read your Bible every day. Okay? I don't care if you read for five minutes, but you should read it every day. That's what you should do. Pray before you read. I just think it makes sense. Pray before you do anything. Why would you not pray before you read your Bible? I Okay, God, show me what you got. I mean, that's how I pray, but, uh, you know, just pray. Um, To me, this is a key. Whenever possible, read the entire book in one sitting. Sometimes it's not possible You know, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Genesis, oh my gosh, I I think it's great to read those books in one sitting if you've got the time, but sometimes we don't. Whenever you can, you you will get a lot of context by reading in one sitting. If you can't read in one sitting, let me encourage you to read the book through from start to finish. This whole thing of just picking and choosing, and I love a lot of the devotionals and stuff out there, but... There's, they're defeating in the sense that if all you do is read little bits and pieces, you're never going to fully understand what the Bible's saying. I'm, I'm just going to th- give you that. I, th- that's a little pet peeve of mine with people, just devotional thing. You know, I just, I take this and this and this. You're never going to get the full picture. Okay. Uh, last thing, take notes as you read. I just think it's right thing to get a journal and journal. And I'm going to read Ephesians. So I'm going to read Ephesians through and then I'm going to study it for a while I'm going to take notes and, and, and do that. So there you go. That's it. I, I think um, that'll help you make sense of Scripture. It's a great beginning. It doesn't, it doesn't fully answer the question, how do I interpret every verse and passage, but it, it gives you a foundation to begin to do that with. So there we go. Let's stand. We're over. Um, Once you guys come up, it's late, I know, but let's do it anyway. Who cares, right?